Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. And uh, this is our 24th episode. <laughs> so welcome back. We're so excited to be here. Taylor's actually in Las Vegas at this point. Yeah, I'm gone. Y'all will not gone, see me. Though, but it's the day of the release of the 24th. Third episode that we're 24th. recording this right now. Well, yeah, oh. but we just released twenty. So yeah, this today. morning we released the twenty third episode. So we're a little ahead of schedule for once in our lives, and it's Who not Wednesday night. <laughs> it's actually on a Thursday night. We did a full seven days ahead of time. So Taylor, I hope you're enjoying your vacation. Oh, I know I am, or I'm not. There's really no telling. Yeah, there really is I mean, no telling. Either are you're not. That's the two v- options. V- you know, fifty fifty. <laughs> either I'm going to be burnt out at this point from. Hiking or oh, it gets you. Yeah, I'm gonna die. It gets you, and then it makes you crabby. Or I'm just like chilling at a dispensary somewhere. Like, uh, yeah, we'll see. So, Morgan, what do you think you're gonna be doing when this comes out? Um, I'm gonna probably be at your house watching Nona Milan, watering all the forty plants that you have that she decides to get the week before she goes on vacation. <laughs> She's like, these ones need water every day. I said, how do you water them exactly? Because I don't want it to be on me if they're dead. She said, you just kind of grab this and you go, shh. I'm like, okay. Okay, got it. I'll just grab it and go, shh. Got yep. it. Perfect. Those will be handled. Yeah. You've got the herbs and Nikki's got the palm and the aloe. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm also, I'm gonna try to go home um more towards the end of next week. I wanna show my parents my baby Ollie. They get to meet their grandpa and, and Coda. Oh. He's gonna lose his damn mind. I gotta have videos of that. Oh come on. You know okay. you I, get videos every second. I get videos at least fifty two times a day. And then she like tries like not bombard me with them, so she just puts them on her story and I'm like, just go ahead and send them to me because I, as a godmother, I feel out of the loop. Yeah, she wants it on the AKC registration godmother, <laughs> Taylor Jane Fetzner. That is what I want on I'm it. like, yeah, okay, so I don't think they have a godmother option. But if there's like a comment do, section, please put that. Okay. Because if something Special happens. Request? Yeah. And I mean, maybe you should list Logan just in case something ever happened. Yeah. Right. Probably. <laughs> but Although we all Logan know. Logan is old yeller today. <laughs> I get this FaceTime call today. Should I tell him? Yeah, tell him. So I do I do some laundry here. And I get a, I did a load last night. And I get a call today, FaceTime, from Logan Fetzner New. 
Because this is new number. New? Number. Well, he got a new number like three I years forget. ago. I forget. That was so long ago. He says, I have a bone to pick with you as soon as I answer. I'm like, what? He flips the camera over. There's a, a like a ball of lint up on top of the dryer. Did you do this? I'm like, well, yeah. But I mean, like I left late last night. It was like 1230. There's ghosts out here. I couldn't just throw it away. That takes too much time. I get too much shit going on. Looking around each each way and then he was like no seriously like if you ever do it again you're you're gonna die i'm like okay yeah got it so now i'm calling him old yeller because he's such and then he gets off the phone he's like he calls her back hey morgan i you know i was just kidding yeah you know i was just messing such a turd i'm like yeah well you you weren't messing you will i'm still (laughs) gonna fight you because he really wasn't messing he acts he's so much nicer to you than he is to me oh i i could have heard he was so mad at me what is this I'm like, I don't know. She said, Morgan. <laughs> no, I said, it's your friend. Because we have a few people that come by. And They're the local laundromat. We are. <laughs> We're the laundromat. And so we have a few folks that we pass them by here doing some laundry. And I was like, no, it was your friend that did it. And he was like, no, it wasn't. Sorry, Eduardo. (laughs) I was like trying to text you as humanly, like fast as humanly possible. Like, no, don't say it was you. Don't say it was you. Don't answer the phone. And I couldn't get it through in time. She answered too fast. I'm really sitting here eating right now. (laughs) Guys, stay till the end of the episode to hear our TFU with ASMR. Or don't stay. Or do stay. Or don't. I think I need a review on how people felt about it. Like no one has told us. Well, I mean, we act like we're like, stay to the end. And it's like a split second. We're like, hi, welcome to TFUs. Like, of course, they probably all listen to it. You know what I mean? Like, they're not just going to end it right before. I just want to know, though. Whatever. Whatever. We'll see. So the usual gist. Do we have anything else we need to discuss? I do not believe so. But if you Oh, Valerie is so going to give us our charts. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Another thing is if you're not subscribed, please go ahead and do that. And if you haven't already, please, please, please rate and review us. It helps us so, so much. Climb the rankings, put us on the map, whatever. We will appreciate you for the rest of our lives if you'll just do that. I mean, not to be dramatic, but like we're kind of like doing really good right now. (laughs) We're doing really good right now. But like not to be dramatic, really. And it's like my full-time job, so please, <laughs> please, 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 please do it. Um, and uh, you want to tell them about our social medias? Oh, yeah. You guys know the deal. Follow us on Instagram at Creeps and Crimes Podcast. Follow me personally at Morg.M, double the G. Double the G, baby. And you can follow me at Taylor J with an A. With an A, uh, baby. Did you do Twitter? <laughs> did you do no, Twitter? I didn't do Twitter. Okay, so you can follow us on Twitter at creeps underscore crimes, or you can find us on TikTok at creeps and crimes. Or don't do that either, but like also probably do it. Morgan acts like she's embarrassed about our TikTok, but I know she loves it. No, I do get really embarrassed. I do not get embarrassed at all. I know you don't. Because I think that bone or that like nerve in my body just like doesn't exist. Yeah, it doesn't. So what are you drinking? Okay, well, we're both drinking um, Tito's vodka on cocktail ice with orange juice splash of cranberry and a splash of la croix la croix pomp pomp la mousse um it's it's not cranberry though it's uh, oh sorry cherry Cherry juice juice. 100 cherry juice not grenadine yeah cherry juice that's good like for people that work out a lot (laughs) like vodka 
Verka. Well, because I did a five second pour, and so we're over here drinking it like it's juice. Oh. Mm. We're also drinking Turbo Flames. Turbo Flames chips <laughs> that Morgan brought. She's like, I swear to God, these are better than Takis. Try them. Now we're both addicted because if you know anything about spicy snacks, you can't stop with spicy yeah. snacks. They're so good. Yeah, they're really, really good. I always need something. God, they hate us. We're at seven minutes of me and you just rambling. Oh, well, it's like they're here with us. Yeah, you guys are sitting right here and while we're recording. You guys are just sitting chilling like a villain. Oh my god, you know what? I know that we just recorded it today, and so there's probably about only three people that have, I mean, just released it today. Uh, so there's only probably about three people that have listened to episode 23 as at the time that we're recording this. But I think more than three. I know more than three. I'm just saying. I can tell you exactly. It's way more than three. <laughs> we guys can see. We can see when you guys immediately download and listen, and, and we can see when you pause. It's honestly kind of like serial killerish. We can see locations. We can I could see... probably pull your IP address. We if did I have Australia to. Australia downloads like immediately. We did, yeah. So some people in Australia are. Uh, subscribe to us. So, hey, hey, thank you. Well, they're probably like, oh, these girls are fucking idiots. These girls are so stupid. They can't pronounce anything. anything. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Well, you don't have it gives to tell the us. the podcast character. We what never, I tell Marley every time. <laughs> we never said that we had English degrees. We never said that. Right. Yeah. Mine might be in communication, but it wasn't on how to effectively pronounce and use grammar or. Correct spell anything ever it's more of just like i run my mouth so much that that was the only degree that was suitable for me Mm -hmm. and then she's over here being i was just sciencey yeah she's just like smart yeah not okay (laughs) and next do you want to hit them with the oh you want me you guys want me to hit you with the intro i think they're ready for it well if you're driving speed up And throw that shit on cruise control. (laughs) If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Oh, Morgan, what do you have for us? Whoa, whoa. Okay, Cardi. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) So what do you you guys, as in you and your multiple personalities, have for us today? Um, Today, I am going to be talking about the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Woohoo! Woohoo! So I totally told you I was talking about something different. Yeah, but this is gonna be dope. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, let's go. It's totally creepy, and I'm ready to freak everyone out. Oh, should I get the sage? No. Okay, we're good? No, I don't think it's that creepy. Okay. Okay, I'll start. So, the Venn Asylum is located in Weston, West Virginia, which is like an hour and a half from my house at home. So, actually pass it. Well, I don't pass it. It's off the exit. But anytime I drive from, like, home to here, I pass Weston. Yeah. Anyway, um, my sources are wikipedia.com, allthatsinteresting.com, transalleghenylunaticasylum.com, washingtonian.com, (laughs) tripadvisor.com, and reddit.com. So this asylum is, like, literally a gorgeous building. And it reminds me of Ayers Hall. Oh. Like, I, I mean, like, a little bit. So, like, it's really <laughs> long of a... Like, if you were to extend Ayers Hall... Okay, for those who don't know, Ayers Hall is, like, this, what? Like, notorious building on UT's campus. Yeah, it's where the checkerboard came from, and it's one of the oldest buildings on UT's Don't campus. be too excited. <laughs> Yay, I love it okay, so, so much. <laughs> after two, this is what it looks like. So, it's, like, tall in the middle, long on the side. Like an upside-down power tee. 
Okay. Okay. Let's. We're done talking about the University of Tennessee for tonight. <laughs> anyway, so yes, it's very long on both sides. It has a really tall, almost like a steeple center. Um, doctor, a man named Dr. Thomas Story Kirkbird was inspirational brains behind the building. He was a doctor who represented the mentally ill, and he eventually became the founder for the American Psychiatric Association for the oh, a- wow. APA. So his goal with the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was that it would be more humane and more effective in treatment for the residents because at the time, most asylums were like pretty rough around the edges and right. Dr. Kirkbird like wanted to do better. So he built the asylum with 12 foot ceilings. Sorry, he designed the asylum with 12 foot ceilings, long halls, hundreds of windows for natural light, Good. ventilation to allow fresh air to breeze through the halls. He knew the importance of natural light and fresh air from outside would help keep patients feel like, you know, they weren't in a prison-like setting, but more of a retreat or a rehabilitation center. So he strongly focused on the idea that the patients needed freedom. Yeah, freedom! Dr. Kirkbird felt that if they were able to walk around as they pleased, it would be a better stimulation for their minds. Allowing them to have control over their own lives would lead to better behavior. That was, you know, his thoughts. So his beliefs on the structure of asylums actually led to the build of over 300 inspired Kirkbird hospitals across the U.S. Ooh. So like hospitals were like taking his design and it was called the Kirkbird design. Yeah, he's a trailblazer. Yeah. So the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was one of the Kirkbird hospitals, but the expense of maintaining all of these extremely large facilities led to the majority of them being demolished or abandoned. Great. Love that. Love that. We love abandoned stuff. Loved abandoned shit. So architecture, Richard Andrews, was actually the one that took Dr. Kirkberg's designs and constructed the asylum. And this happened between 1858 to 1881. So almost 20 years to finish the build. And that was because it was disturbed by the Civil War. Oh. So they had to stop building some aspects. But it opened up before the build was done. So... The building itself is the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America. Jesus Christ. Right? <laughs> Crazy. And the architect, Andrews, he brought in stone masons from Germany and Ireland. Ah, love them. I knew you yeah, were going to say something them. about Ireland. So the grounds around the asylum consisted of a working farm, which included a dairy farm, waterworks, gas well, and a cemetery so that it was self-sufficient for the patients. And it was basically just a state-of-the-art facility. Okay. It was designed to house 250 guests comfort- comfortably. <laughs> comfortably. Each having their own room. Oh, that's so kind. Yeah, it's so kind. That is really You'll nice. You'll really think the next parts are like way kind. Oh, I'm done then. It's no longer kind. So the, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum opened up in 1863. And remember, it wasn't finished being built till 1881. Why is everywhere that's so freaking haunted? 1800s. Open? Well, that and, well, it's because it's America. Mm-hmm. And um, that's as far back as we go. And yeah. <laughs> we're brand new here. <laughs> so, um, but everything that's opened early... Is always haunted. Yeah. There's never been one thing that, like, a haunted well, building. Well, sh- so should have waited until the Civil War was over, because that <laughs> right. had to be ugly there. Well, I I also bet it was, like, the government almost wanted it built so they could use it to house, like, injured soldiers and stuff, too. So it actually was. It, they did do, like, a hospital wing for oh, okay. the Civil War. Yes, yeah. you're, you're actually correct on that. 
So once it opened, it was actually renamed the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane. So you think renaming it, they'd be like, yo, like, you know, let's be a little bit more compassionate and take the word lunatic out of yeah, the name. Yeah, please. But instead they were like, yeah, yeah, like, let's rename it for the Insane. Insane. Like, what? I don't know. People were awful back then, but whatever. I mean, people are going to look at us in 100 years and be like, those people sucked. What are you doing? I'm rubbing lotion on my hand. <laughs> Just keep going. Just keep going, friend. (laughs) So, okay. The hospital was filled quickly, and by 1881, they were receiving more and more patients than what the hospital could hold. There was an increase of mental health diagnosis, and there was about 750 patients at the hospital. Holy crap. At this Right. It's only meant for 250. Jesus Christ. At this point, conditions began to deteriorate in both the hospital and patients. Patients were being put four to five in a room that was built for the comfort of one. Oh, no. The dairy and the farm were only able to accommodate for 300, but while the patients continued to increase, it wasn't able to keep up and started to cause extreme malnutrition for most. Oh, my God. Which is, like, so bad for those with, like, a mental right. Y'all don't health like condition because... Oatmeal? Right. It, like, really... I don't, I don't want to say, like, exaggerates or, like, well, affects, yeah. but it does. Well, I mean, when you're starving, anybody turns... Almost crazy. Yeah. Me. I'm hangry. Right. So, a little over 70 years later, in 1938, so they let this go on for 70 years. In 1938, the hospital was over six times its capacity. Holy hell. It was literally, like, insane in there. No pun intended. (laughs) People were running wild. I mean, yeah. The workers were completely outnumbered, and they couldn't keep any sort of control. So at this point, you would think that it would be shut down, but no, it wasn't. By 1950, the hospital was holding over 10 times the amount it was intended. They had 2,600 patients. Patients were on the floor sleeping. The rooms were freezing due to the lack of heat and furniture. The hospital was not kept sanitized. The beautiful windows were now covered in, like, muck and grime, so it was blocking heat from the natural sunlight. Oh, my God. And, like, West Virginia, fall, winter, and spring can be freaking brutally cold. Oh, my God. The wallpaper was peeling by itself, like, basically, like, disintegrating by itself, and if it wasn't peeling by itself, it was being torn by patients. I mean, yeah, I'd be tearing down the wallpaper, too, if there's a billion people in one room with me. Right. So those patients that were deemed, quotes uncontrollable they were locked in cages like are in you, the hallway are you fucking with me like cages okay who is still sending p- their family members here well you know at this at this time like anything could put you in an asylum i know being a woman witches being a woman that reads a book literally like that shit insane asylum laziness like all of that kind of stuff can mean you would have been we would have been in there and i don't know if you've ever watched um american horror story yeah i've watched a little bit this season asylum like just really really like puts to light this whole situation that's going on in trans allegheny it's so crazy so absolutely insane but that's not the worst part have you ever heard of the man named walter freeman If you've ever taken a psychology class, then it probably brings chills down your spine because Freeman was a famous surgeon, but not for any good reason. He was the lobotomy advocate. Oh, my God. And this exact asylum had became his experimental training ground. My mouth is on the floor. He waltzed in and opened up his lobotomy shop at this asylum. 
<laughs> so if you guys are unaware of what a lobotomy is, it's often referred to as the ice pick method. Basically, a doctor, uh, doctor in quotations, would place a thin pointed rod that resembled an ice pick. Okay, trigger warning. Yeah, major. That resembled an ice pick into the corner of a patient's like eye socket. And then these doctors would use like a hammer and they would pound the pick into your freaking brain. In order, it's what they thought, to sever the connective tissue in the brain's prefrontal cortex. So, like, behavioral and stuff. Uh, Waiter, I'm going to need another drink, please. Me too. So, this often resulted in many deaths. And the thing about lobotomies is that these patients, I I was going to say often, but these patients didn't give consent at all. As in any treatment received by received in an insane asylum at the time was ordered by the doctor as the patient's best interest and they weren't mentally fit to challenge that type of treatment yeah so these people were getting lobotomies that didn't need lobotomy well no one needs no one needs a lobotomy lobotomy, but people who shouldn't have been in asylum to begin with right are getting these rods shoved in their eyes hammered into their brain These horrific conditions continued on until 1994, over a hundred years before it was closed. Oh my God. It now sits abandoned. Rooms are still filled with like medical equipment and broken down furniture. Wheelchairs are still in the hallway. Ew. Women's room, like women, some, a lot of women had children in the asylum And there's, like, a playroom. Like, there's still toys on the ground. And as for the patients, it's as if they all, like, vanished or died and placed in the cemetery on the property. And actually, I want to point out here, the cemetery, during these 100 years, the only thing that money got sent into, not, like, adding more rooms or feeding these people, it was to extend the cemetery land. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's what they poured their money into. So instead... Of actually taking care of these patients so, so we, we don't, don't have, have to, to do that. Right. Let's just go ahead and extend that, even though it makes... Okay, trigger warning for anybody that's really religious. Um, I just... I think cemeteries are the biggest waste of land that ever existed in human history. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we do that? Yeah, I don't Just know. burn me and put me on the mantle or take me to Ireland, throw me out at sea. Okay. And wave goodbye while you drink Guinnesses together. That's exactly what I plan on doing. And then take the other half of me to Hawaii. This is her rant right now, guys. And this is the only one I get one. today. No, no, no. You'll have another. I no. And then take me to Hawaii and just cheers my ties and pina coladas as okay. I sail off into the abyss. Oblivion. Yeah. All right. That's Sounds... It. I will do that for you. If you don't mind. Put it I in would, your will. I, it's already Throw there. Throw my body, like my actual body. Cut me in half. Cut, <laughs> slice me down the middle. <laughs> send one of me in Ireland and send one of me to Hawaii. Yep. And do as you please. Yeah, and just cheers as I go. So ridiculous. Yeah. So ridiculous. Put but, my cats on top of me while I roll out. Okay, well, what if they're not dead? Well, you can keep them, but I'm, I'm not going down <laughs> without them, so... <laughs> I go down, Mila and Nona go down with you. They go down with me. All right, sorry, keep going. All right, so you guys already know that this bitch is haunted. Yeah. Like, you know. (laughs) It has to be. So let's... Say less. So let's talk about it. There's quite a few popular spirits that um, are in throughout the asylum. The first being a little girl named Lily. Oh, Lily. 
There is also a man named Jesse who died of a heart attack in a bathtub. <laughs> There's a man named Jim James who likes cigarettes. A man named Jack who loves the kitchen. Numerous Civil War soldiers. No surprise there. And a patient brutally murdered by his roommates. <sighs> True crime. True crime. So, currently, the asylum offers tours, daytime, and overnight. I'm going to talk about three people who have taken tours there. The first is reporter Marisa Cascino, and she's from the Washingtonian, and she wrote about her experience in their overnight ghost hunt with her friend Julia. Oh, God. They first had spent a few hours touring each of the four floors before they were broken up and turned, like, by themselves. She described the asylum as always feeling, or she described her experience as always feeling lost, even though she was with a group of 12. It was a maze of hallways, impatient rooms were covered in peeling paint. Medical equipment was everywhere as if they had all just vanished in the middle of the day, like I said. Her and her friend Julia sat up in a room with a popular spirit named Jim James. And if we know about Jim James, we know he likes cigarettes. He loves cigarettes. Prior to the tour, guides gave each group cigarettes because a lot of the spirits liked them and it would keep them calm. Like so it would keep incense and cigarettes, same thing. Kind of cool, kind of with it. So Marisa and Julia, sorry, I don't know if her name's Marissa or Marisa. It's one S. It's probably Marisa. I know I'm Marissa that spells it with just one S. Okay. We'll, we'll just call her both. Y'all know who we're talking about, right? All right. All right, good deal. So her and Julia set up a piece of mag light on the floor and asked Jim to turn it on. A few seconds later, it lit up by itself. She then offered the spirit Jim to shut it off if he would like a cigarette. And guess what? That bitch went dark. <laughs> he was like, turn off, turn off, turn so off. So I love that for Mr. Jim. Like, you know, anything for a sick kind of man. <laughs> like, he's pretty cool. I'm like, here with it. Morgan's incense is also a cigarette at a dingy bar. Yeah. That is Morgan's I'm like, comfort they're like, zone. What do you want to do for your birthday? I'm like, can we please go to the smoke-filled bar so all of our clothes can reek of cigarettes I've, for the next week? I've had to soak my... Fit and I everyone's wore. like, "Are you sure you don't want to go downtown?" I'm like, "Nope, me to there." I <laughs> you don't want to go I get said, cocktails. <laughs> I said I want a dingy bar with beer and wings. And I was like, "All right, anything for the B day girl." Anything for the B day girl. But then we found that other place. It was pretty cool. English pub. Oh, Union Jacks. Union Loved it. Jacks. Yeah, we need to go back there. That was really nice. Okay, so that's a quick little story from Marissa. But the next story is from a TripAdvisor review, and it's by user DarkAngel33. So I'm just going to read it. This post was posted on October 2011. So Dark Angel says, I grew up literally five minutes away from this place when it was actually still operating. And being a kid then, it was always scary. 20 years later, my friends and I decided to go ahead and do the ghost tour night version. The most terrifying thing I have ever experienced in my life. I went in there quite a skeptic, but tried my best to keep an open mind. We took an EVP, thermal digital recorder, flashlights, and a digital audio recorder, and a camera, of course. I highly recommend taking all above minus the thermal because the EVP does the same thing. We got a lot of activity from Jack in the kitchen. Little Miss Lily lit up our EVP up for us, too, and we heard some piano playing. Let me say, a lot of these sounds were heard on the recorder only. We did not hear them while there. Wasn't until I played them back we could hear them. It was so creepy. The fourth floor is where we got our wish. We talked to a ghost through our flashlight. 
my flashlight so it wasn't manipulated. I would have them turn it on and off. Then I'd ask to make it brighter and make it dimmer, which it did. Sorry, folks. Can't chalk that one up to a coincidence. Right. After we were done here, we were walking towards the other half of the wing where our guide told us about this woman ghost that came out of room 697 and how it scared him. So we went to investigate and the doors were all opened. All the way to the point they were touching the wall. We walked past one and I asked what door number it was where the woman appeared. And my friend said 697. We were at 693. No sooner do I turn around to keep going, the door slams shut. I mean violently hard. And then it was locked. When we told the guides this, they went to check it out and couldn't get in either. They said the only way to lock the door and unlock it is with a key and none of them had one. I kept asking for a noise all night and by God, I got it. My golly. Can you imagine that? That's gross. Yeah. I hate that. So scary. Freaked out. Don't like that. I couldn't, if a door ever slammed behind me, I'd be like, um, I'm going to be climbing out this window and I'll see you guys ever. No, it slams behind me. I immediately, I'm saying the Lord's prayer and busting my whole entire body out of a window. I don't care how high I Can you imagine if there. they were in that room? Because they weren't. They're just in the hallway and... This guy said, like, we saw this woman in 697. Gross. And they were in the hallway with 697. All the doors were open, and then 697 slammed shut in no. locks. No, I'm gone. No, I'm, I'm out freaking of gone. I'm busting out a window. Y'all never see me again. Yeah, same. Burn the place down. Burn it to the ground. Where's the gasoline? <laughs> I got the lighter. We're going out. I have the flamethrower. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about one more experience that a Reddit user went through. Um, user at... <laughs> All beef, Pattison. Me too. You know, Reddit user names, like, sometimes you're like, okay, come on, like, that's your name. But, like, also, like, I wouldn't want anyone to have a clue of who I was on Reddit. No. Most people don't even have, like, even telling. Any name. Yeah. They're, like, they're, like, old messages. They're, words. like, flashlight, lamp, computer. Yeah. They're, podcasts. like, Cali Surfer Girl 202. Yeah. Favorite. Those are my favorite. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. He says that it was 100% worth the $100 he spent. He went in skeptical as fuck, came out with a new perspective of paranormal. Me too. So here is his post from eight years ago. It is kind of long. I was always totally skeptical of the paranormal, etc. So I went on this trip with three friends, totally not expecting much. Please feel free to do a web search to find more about the asylum. To start, the guides pretty much sit down with us and tell us some history. Tell us not to ever provoke anything as it is a very bad idea. They explain how they will show us around, tell us some things, and then give us free reign. And it makes sense because the building is absolutely huge and you must be toured around before given the option to explore yourself or you could easily get lost, which is what we heard from the other two users. We sat down in a large open room. One of my friends brought some common paranormal gear. I'm not sure the name of this thing, but it was like a white noise box or something like that. So this guy (laughs) was like totally skeptical. He said, sorry for my lack of knowledge. Like I said, I was a skeptic. Anyways, we didn't get any communication other than these odd tapping sounds, so we move on. We were in a bathroom showering area, and my flashlight starts pulsating dimly. I thought that that was very odd. Nothing else of interest happened, so we decide to leave. A couple steps out of the door, I feel extremely cold. I mean, this spot was just freezing compared to the average temperature I had experienced in the building so far. I show my friend, and he feels it too. So we took or we look around for an explanation, maybe a draft or something from an open window, but nothing we could find to explain. 
I was very skeptical of this box box that supposedly flips through frequencies so fast nothing is supposed to be able to pick up. They call it white noise, which is why I called it the white noise box. We would all sit down around it and ask questions such as, is anyone here, male or female? Do you want us here, etc.? Just basic stuff. And we started to get some answers. They were quick and sometimes we had to ask multiple times just to make sure. We go from different rooms and areas and have these little sessions and we were often getting replies. If whatever it was told us to leave, we would oblige. Some examples of what we would hear from the box would be like, we would ask, is anyone here? Then it would reply, yes. We would ask if it was male or female and they would reply with their sex. We would ask if they enjoyed our company. Most would respond positively, but we got the occasional no or negative response. Right. Before we would leave, we would ask if we can leave or do they want us to stay. I remember one instance where one actually said to stay. It seemed to really enjoy the interaction. I was still very skeptical, but this was all very interesting and exciting now. I found myself really getting getting into it, which I did not think would happen. I asked a question once only to get the response, shut up. Oh. I'm pretty sure I remember the question I asked being, do you like me? And then things got weird when my friend, who's a male, argued with my friend over what one said. My friend, who's a female, had believed it said female while my friend male thought that he had said male. When he spoke up and said no, it said male, not female, he let out an ouch shit. I asked him what, dude, and he told me he was pinched or something on the back of the arm. So these friends were fighting, and then he got pinched. They're like, shut the hell up, dude. Right. Occasionally, the girls we were with would mention to us of odd sensations, such as being very faintly rubbed or caressed on areas such as their stomachs or arms. Gross. I had yet to have any physical contact. Tapping sounds. We would sometimes communicate with taps rather than the box. I initially thought these tapping sounds were just the building settling or getting cold since it was late, so the building materials such as concrete were shrinking, contracting. This was not the case, though. The sounds varied too much in intensity and speeds. One was even extremely rhythmic, like a child tapping its knuckles as if it were playing the drums. We would do things such as say, tap like this for male or this for female, and we would repeat it multiple times to make sure their responses were consistent. Sometimes they were, very, and other times not so much. So for me, I was still kind of iffy. I took it all with a grain of salt. I'm sure most of this has been really boring. I'm a horrible writer, so (laughs) me too. Me too. So I'm going to jump into what really made me believe that there is truth to some paranormal activities that go on. We were with a single young guy, just my three friends and him, and he was telling us how this was the most active floor for some reason, and he had a lot of weird experiences himself on this floor. We enter a room in which he says he had the strongest experiences in. He says, okay, I'm just going to sit right here since this is where I sat last time and you communicated with me. He is in mid-sit about to plop down on the windowsill when, boom, it sounded like something hauled off and full force kicked the old school heating cooling metal thing in the room. Oh, no. Like the, I'm assuming he means like radiator. Yeah. He jumped up and said, okay, never mind. I was freaked out, to be honest, because there is no good explanation for that at all. So there we stand in the middle of this odd room with three small closets. The young guide opens all three doors and places a flashlight in the middle door. It soon starts to turn on extremely bright, and then it goes dim, and then bright, and repeats this. Then, sometimes stays bright or stays dim. It was very, very weird. I feel like someone is tickling my armpit arm, so I took to my right. My friend had her arm around me. Sorry, I looked to my right, and my friend had her arm around me. I thought maybe it was her. I said, did you just tickle my arm? She looked at me and said, no. I was startled, but not too much since I took that as a friendly, playful gesture. 
No, I would not have taken Absolutely a tickle. Absolutely not. Um, my male friend was pinched a few times and mentioned it every time he felt it. We sat down and had a bat come out of nowhere and fly around the room a bit, and the girls were freaking out, but I wasn't. We knew this was a common thing because the guide said the building had the occasional bats and birds. Almost done. Sorry, this is a long story. Two other guys come into the room panting. They sat down next to us and described in between breaths what they experienced and what they, why they had sprinted all the way to us. They said they were sitting down the end of the hallway doing a session when all of a sudden they heard walking, then loud running like something was full speed running towards them. It freaked them the fuck out and they said they ran as fast as they could to us. They were obviously still really startled when we saw them. Like, don't we offer me. (laughs) Yeah. So we offered to go back to where the experience is and sit with them. Yeah. They were game. So they took us back to where it happened. (laughs) Sitting, Sitting there, none of us really saw, heard, or experienced anything. We just saw, we just sat there swapping stories of what we had experienced. Then I saw a shadowy or multiple, couldn't really tell, walking from room to room. I mentioned it to the others, but when they all looked down the hallway and focused with me, they could see nothing, neither could I. Nothing else happened while sitting there. It was really late, like four in the morning. So we all decided to head back down to the first floor. Um, the young guy we were with, along with myself, were, was telling what we experienced on the top floor And one of the other guys said, hey, check your back. So the young guy took off his shirt and he had largest scratches across his back. No. Not deep enough to cause bleeding, but they sure as hell were there. Well, I tried my best to remember the most memorable stuff. I'd love for you guys to ask any questions. I know I'm not a good writer and I'm sorry. Hopefully I can make up for that by answering any and all questions. I am a horrible writer. Ask me questions, LOL. Also, this is a real, this is all real, which is probably why it's not that exciting. I did not make up or over-exaggerate at all. I loved that. Okay, but like the scratches. That's crazy. And the loud footsteps. And the tickles. And they're like, yeah, let's go there. And the flashlights. And so what's funny is that all of these stores had flashlight interactions. Right. And on the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic um, page, like their tour options, there's a flashlight tour. So that must be like a very common interaction that they have. So you guys can watch Ghost Hunters 200th episode on the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Or if you're more of a Zach Baggins kind of guy, you can watch Ghost Adventures first season, episode three. Real quick before I'm done, I have been here. Oh. I have been here. You just gonna not lead with that shit? I wasn't gonna lead with it. (laughs) So if you're still here, yes, I have been here. Aaron and I, so during the Halloween time, they turned half of it into a haunted house. Jesus Christ. And Aaron and I went when we were in like eighth grade with some friends and his parents i think it was his parents or my parents and they start off the tour and you're in like the real asylum just for a little bit and they kind of treat you like prisoners in there and then they pull you into these rooms so like they line you up and they're like no talking and we're like standing there and of course aaron eighth grade aaron's like oh they're tickling me like making me laugh and i'm like a hard ass like i'm not scared of anything haunted so this guy, the security guy's like, you with me. And he pulls me and six others and locks us into rooms. No. By ourselves for like Shut 30 up. seconds. And then he pulls us all out and then he meets us back with our group. And then the haunted house was really cool. They like put us in coffins and we like rode down this like roller coaster in coffins into the haunted house. What? And it was like crazy. I was really scared, honestly. But yes, I've been there. I didn't do any like ghost tours, more of like a haunted house thing, but. More like, so we gotta go. Yeah, so we got to go. We got to go back. And that is my story of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum or the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane, whatever I love it. you want to call it. Crazy haunted. One of the most haunted in the United States. Um, and its its history is furred. 
very yeah. furt. The fact that that's like the lobotomy place, like Ugh. every psychology. Class, Whenever you, you said know. the name, I was like, well, maybe you've told me about this since this is so close to you. But then when you brought up surgery and dr freeman i was like oh my god i've heard about this in all my psychology classes i've ever taken Mm -hmm. oh yeah so weird so that's all ad time love it all right ad time the thing that i hate every morning is doing my mascara i can live without foundation and lipstick thank you mask for that but when i don't have anything on my lashes i look dead The thing that makes my morning smoother and my routine faster is having my lash extensions done. Getting them done is no burden as it is the true beauty sleep that when you wake up from your nap, you feel like a million bucks and hotter than Kim K herself. That's my girl. Lash extensions are new to Knoxville, but not new to the beauty world. Asia K Salon has been in business over eight plus years with nine plus advanced lash courses, allowing them to give you the ultimate best lash experience possible. And let me tell you, Their lash beds are comfortable. If you mention our names and that you heard us talk about them on our latest podcast episode when you make your next appointment, you will receive 44% off. You can find them on Facebook or on Instagram at Asia K Salon and their website, asiakesalon.com. Happy lashing. All right. That was a good one, Morgan. I really enjoyed that episode. Thank you. Thank you. What do you have for me? Sure. Today, what I have for you is the story of Bambi. Bambi? Bambi. The deer. Mm, No. Um, So my sources are My Favorite Murder, and that's why we drink, Wikipedia, MilwaukeeMag.com, Murderpedia, Oxygen.com, WNMUFM.org, Madison.com, TMJ4.com, and Investigation Discovery. Um, There's a lot of shows about this. So I'm just going to hop right in, just like we did last week. So hang on for the ride, and um, we'll get there. It's relatively shorter. Okay. So the year is 1981, and we are, I know, right? When you said it, I was like, oh my God, how weird. How weird. How weird. So like I said, the year is 1981, and we're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So on May 28th at approximately 2.15 a.m., brothers 11-year-old Sean and 7-year-old Shannon Schultz were woken up out of their sleep by what they described to be the sound of a firecracker going off. Hmm. They followed the sound, and it led them to their single mother's room. On their way to see where the sound was coming from, Sean, the oldest, saw a man in a green jumpsuit leaving the house in what looked to be a red wig with a ponytail. The fuck? This is when they find their mother, 31-year-old Christine Schultz, face down on her bed, bleeding, blindfolded, gagged, with her hands and feet tied with rope. Before calling a family friend saying, someone hurt mommy... They tried to help their mother by bandaging up all of her wounds to try to stop the bleeding. Christine had been fatally shot execution style on her own bed. And that was the sound of the firecracker. Oh my God. How old were the boys again? 11 and 7. Oh. 
I know it's awful. So at the time of her murder, Christine was six months divorced from her ex-husband and father of her, their two sons, Fred Schultz, who was a local cop. And he happened to be the one that was the first police unit oh, on the scene. No. Yeah. So immediately Fred brought was brought in for questioning just because he's the ex-husband. So he's got to be considered as one of the suspects or person of interest. But he had an alibi because he was on duty that night and he and his partner were said to be at a robbery when they got the call. Well, it turns out he was lying. Oh, frick. He had not been at a robbery. Him and his partner were actually at a bar drinking while on duty. Oopsies. Yep. Got caught. Wrong time, sir. Wrong time. So although this is absolutely breaking the rules, um, it still counts as an alibi because people were there to be like, no, he was with us the entire time. Right. (laughs) So he was cleared. Next, they decide to examine his off-duty and service revolver. And this is when they realize that his off-duty gun was the weapon used to murder his ex-wife. What the heck? Well... He had the perfect alibi. And there was really only one other person in the entire world that knew where this gun was and had access to it. And that was his new wife, 22-year-old Laurencia Lori Bimbenic. So Lori had no history of violence. She was a gorgeous, young, former police officer from Milwaukee County. While in training to be a police officer, she met Judy Zess, and they became very close friends. One time, Judy and Laurencia went to a concert together where Judy was arrested for smoking weed. And because of this, she was fired from the police academy. By association, Lori was also fired, um, even though she claimed to have not been smoking that night. It was just, like, really weird. So... Outside of her short time as a police officer, she also was a model and worked as a server at a local Playboy club. And because of her petite build with beautiful skin, blonde hair, and her big doe eyes, they begin to call her Bambi. Bambi. The prosecution painted a photo of a young, beautiful woman who was obsessed obsessed with lavish living, who wanted Christine Schultz dead so her husband could stop paying her alimony, claiming that she was the only one with motive and means to go down with this crime. On top of the fact that the evidence collected at the crime scene and through those who knew Lori, so witnesses, it was just like lethal to this case for Lori. So I'm just going to go through and list the evidence. So first we have two strands of hair that match exactly the hairs that were taken from Lori's hairbrush. Access to the murder weapon. She owned and often wore a green jumpsuit. A key that was secretly made and hidden from Christine to Christine's house. It was made by Fred. Witnesses testified that Lori often spoke about killing Christine at dinner parties. (laughs) which please nobody go through my stuff because I talk about killing people all the time, but I'm just joking. What? I told you today, I'm going to kill you. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I call Taylor anytime she's like, oh my God, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, why? (laughs) Why? Like, no, it's just the saying she says, I swear to God, she won't actually do it. Um, but 
Witnesses said that she often spoke about killing Christine at dinner parties. Another witness came forward claiming that Lori had offered to pay him to murder Christine. Oh, shit. And in the plumbing system at Lori and Fred's apartment complex, police recovered a red wig that matched the fibers found at the crime scene. Ding-a-ling-a-ding-a-ling-a-ding-dong. On March 9th, 1982, Laurencia and Bimbenek was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. So pretty much an open and shut case. Right. And that's the case of Bambi. Good. See ya. Bye-bye. Adios. Yep. It was, a, like, really easy. Wait, so let's let's talk about it for a second. What are her? What do you think her husband was like? Dude, that case is way too perfect to be real. Is it not over? No. I've still got four more pages of notes. Oh, my God. I was like, damn, I'm calling it the short night. I'm going to go home, get a bath. <laughs> no I way. I got a doctor's appointment. <laughs> Everybody just turned off the episode. Sorry, guys, come back. Wait, wait, wait. So, okay, I'm so ready for this. Yeah. No, it has to be her. Okay. So, as soon as Lori is behind bars, Fred comes forward and publicly states that he had believed that his wife was guilty all along, even though he stood by her side and vouched for her the entire time. He also wrote her a letter to prison saying that he moved to Florida and to be living with a 19-year-old girl and was ending their marriage. Lori was a model inmate who was highly respected she even earned her bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin Parkside and founded a prisoner's newspaper. So While in prison. She was a shit. Yeah, she was a shit. While in prison, she met and became engaged to her cellmate's brother, Dominic Juletti, whatever, G. G. Dominic G. Dominic G. After a few months in correctional in the correctional institution, Lori begins realizing that she's been framed. She just realized she knew, but she had no idea that she had been framed by her own husband. Oh shit! She then turns into a badass and collects all the information and evidence that she needs to prove that there were police errors in handling key evidence to prove her innocence and appeal her sentence three times, specifically using the evidence that a key witness in the case against her, a.k.a. Judy Zest, her friend that got arrested and lost them both the job, had recanted her statement that she heard Lori talking about killing Christine at a dinner party. So they're like, why did you recant your statement? She says, I was pressured by police to make those statements and testify against Lori. Oh, so we got a smiley face killer issue going on here. She unfortunately was denied her appeal each time. Lori and her supporters began to believe that Lori had been framed because of her involvement in an ongoing case of police corruption in Milwaukee. Where she was a key witness. So here's the story behind that. Basically, after Lori was fired due to the marijuana issue going on, she stumbled across a photo album of the male Milwaukee police officers naked while at a picnic drinking and doing drugs. Oh my God, where can I see it? (laughs) So she reported this. 
<laughs> on the wall behind us. That's like, awesome. So she reports this. this. Okay, oh, no. that's a good idea. No, no. Back to the story. She so she reports this to the feds, and Hell they yeah. open up an investigation until Milwaukee Police Department. They found that the MPD had hired women and minorities and then would find reasons to fire them within their probationary periods so that way they could still get the money from the government from hiring minorities. Oh my God. And on top of all of this, before Christine's murder, Lori's car had been keyed. There were dead rats that were placed on her front door and on the hood of her car and like multiple other things where she felt like she was being stalked. Oh my God. So they're like, if you didn't do it, then who did Lori? Right. The only other logical person that it could have been was a man named Frederick Hornenberger. The partner. No, not the partner. Oh. He was a former boyfriend of Judy Zest and a really good friend of Fred Schultz, who had actually, they had just worked together on Wait, an at-home project. This guy's name is Frederick? Yeah. And, and then there's a Fred, too? Fred's the husband and the ex-husband and okay. the, the police that was drinking at the bar. All right, Frederick's a new guy. Yeah, so Frederick's a new guy, and we're going to call him Hornenberger, okay? Okay. So this is when they find out that Hornenberger had actually robbed and beaten Judy a few weeks before Christine's murder. Any guesses on what he was wearing during this attack? Green jumpsuit, red wig. Exactly. Why is he wearing that? After his attack... Is he like a clown? You'll see. No, you'll listen. So after his attack... He was sent to jail, and in jail, right after the murder of Christine, he was sent to jail for the attack against Judy. And in jail, he was reported to be bragging about the murder of Christine, about how he did it. O-M-G. And then, basically, every bit of evidence that was used against Lori in her, in her trial mm-hmm. fell apart. Fell apart. So I'm just going to walk through a few of them. First, we have the hairs. While the medical examiner, Dr. Elaine Samuels, refuted the claim in a letter written in 1983 claiming, quote, I recovered no blonde or red hairs of any length or texture. All of the hairs I recovered from the body were brown and were grossly identical to the victim. I do not like to suggest that evidence was altered in any way, but I can find no logical explanation for what amounted to the appearance of blonde hair in an envelope that I that contained no such hair at the time that it was sealed by me. Oh shit. Next, the wig. Yes, there was a wig in the plumbing. However, Lori and her next-door neighbor actually shared these same pipes. So, the woman, her neighbor comes forward and is like, "So, actually something weird that happened is that a woman the day after the murder came and knocked on my door and asked if she could use my restroom. And I was like, of course. So the woman came in, used her toilet. And then after that, all of the pipes were clogged forever. So she had to get maintenance to come out and they recovered the red wig. Guess who the woman was at the door? Judy Zess. The partner. No, the friend. Judy. She's the the marijuana girl. Yeah, the marijuana police girl. Okay, yeah, she's... She's not a partner. Though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought she's were the friend. No, she was the friend. But got him fired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So six of the and here's another thing: six of the eight swabs from the crime scene had semen on them. 
And that evidence was completely suppressed and hidden during the trial. So who the frick was Judy working with? Right. And then they determined that there was no possible way after extensive testing that Fred Schultz's gun could have been used as a murder weapon. What? They absolutely butchered this case at the beginning. Oh. Or, well, I mean, it was totally corrupt. It was totally corrupt from the beginning. Yeah. It was a plan. So even still, Lori's appeals were continually denied. What? I would be losing So that. she took matters into her own hands. And on July 15th, 1990. Sorry. Lori escaped from prison. No, she did yes, not. Yes, she did. She escaped through a laundry room window and was picked up by her new fiance, Dominic. Oh, shit, you got Lori. Right. So the two fled to Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada, where she worked as a waitress and used the name Jennifer Gazana while training to be a fitness instructor. She's like, if they come after me, bitch, I'm, I'm going to be, be running. Ready to fight. <laughs> and on October 17th, 1990, a couple came in to her restaurant and recognized Lori because she had just been featured on America's Most Wanted. Oh, shit. So the two were deported um, back to the United States a month later and eventually sentenced to one year in prison for the role... I'm sorry. Dominic was deported back to the United States a month later, and he was eventually sentenced to one year in prison for his role in the escape. Lori, however, wait, that's all it is—is is a year? Yeah, for fleeing right. the country. Okay. Well, because also I mean, he wasn't arrested, right? However, Lori sought refugee status in Canada, claiming that she was being persecuted by a conspiracy between the police department for Milwaukee and the judicial system in Wisconsin. And the Canadian government showed her some sympathy in this case. And before returning her to Wisconsin, they obtained a commitment that Milwaukee officials would conduct a judicial review of her case. And the review did not find any evidence of crime by police or prosecutors, but detailed seven major police blunders, which had occurred during the Christine Schultz murder investigation. And she won the right to a new trial. That's what. It, that's so sad that it took her to flee the country. Right. And get it, it, we had to get Canada involved. Yeah. We had to go there and get Canada's ass involved to make what? something move. When they get involved, we're. I love Canada. Me too. So they um, us straight. They do. They're like, hey, please, hey, Come please, on, just guys. stop like, the drama. Like you're making us look bad. Today. We have to share this land. Like, right. can we just be cool for once? Uh, <laughs> we have to be the worst neighbors in history. <laughs> Or like playing loud music at all times of the night. Like we're those type of neighbors. So, which they're all like, we need to go down there and chill with them. You know, they're like the cool neighbors that you kind of want to go chill with. Right. But then also at 2 a.m. you hate them. Yeah. All right. So Lori voluntarily returned to the United States on April 22nd, 1991. Rather than risk a second conviction, she decided to plead no contest to second-degree murder during a hearing held on December 9th, 1992. She was then sentenced to 20 years, which was commuted to her time served, and she was released from custody only three hours after her hearing, having little, having served over 10 years and Jeez. been a model prisoner. Yeah. So she got out, but guys... Oh, yeah. Fuck, that sucks. Her luck... 
really just sucks because... But she's a total badass. She's a badass. But, so she writes a book about her experience, and it's titled The Woman on Trial. And after her release, she had a ton of legal and personal problems with this book. She was a... She also was struggling with a lot of mental issues after this, like obviously like PTSD and all the stuff. Me too. Right. Sorry. <laughs> so she it's was. Late. It's late. So she was then arrested um, again for marijuana possession charges, and she also had to file for bankruptcy. Let the bitch smoke some weed. We're literally, it's the least we could do. Like at the this least. point, like let's let's not. She then was hospitalized for um, hepatitis C and other health problems. She wow. was admitted to a recover. I mean, um, not recovery, rehabilitation. Re- rehabilitation facility for alcoholism. She then legally changed her name to what we know it as today. So I don't really know what it was before then. Um, and she changed it in 1994. In 1996, she moved to Ro- Washington State to be near her retired parents. She's not with Dominic. No. No, I don't think so. Because then she fell in love with a U.S. Forest Service employee named Marty Carson, and she eventually married him. She was, like I said, uh, diagnosed with PTSD and um, complications by growing addiction and with alcohol. So then, y'all, she, like, pours her... As she's recovering, she pours her entire life and emotion into 30 paintings. She sells them to an art gallery, and the next day, the art gallery burned down. Oh, my God. In 2002, she either fell or jumped from a second-story window, breaking her leg so badly that it had to be... warning? Well, they think it was... So, let me tell you the truth behind it. I'll tell you here in a second. She, She had to get her leg amputated from her knee down. But the truth behind this that they don't put anywhere is that... She was put there because Dr. Phil, she wanted to like get something uh-huh. done for Dr. with Dr. Phil. I Say think less. it was a um basically Dr. Phil was trying like trying to get her on the show and they were like in order to put you on the show we need to have you stay in this hotel room for a week. But the hotel room was like dingy and so she was like she had like security people standing outside of it. And she wasn't allowed to leave for her own safety, but she was having freaking PTSD breakdowns because she felt like she was in prison again. Literally. Say so that. she like had, she like that. had a breakdown and tried to jump out the window, but it wasn't for suicide. She was just trying to escape. So please tell me that she didn't have to do the show. I have no idea. Um, but then she goes in to insist that she was innocent to the Wisconsin Su- Supreme court and they refuse to er- overturn her contest plea. Oh my God. And in 2008, she filed a petition with the United States Supreme Court seeking the reversal of the second degree murder um, conviction. She was appointed an attorney. And basically, this ends at her dying at the age of 52 due to health complications from um, liver and kidney failure. So she died at the age of 52 on November 20th, 2010. She hardly got to live a life. She didn't get to live a life because some dumbass cop from Wisconsin who wanted his ex-wife dead and wanted in. Then I started thinking like, okay, so how far ahead? Like, I wonder what the timeline was. Like, did he only get with her so he could murder her? 
And if like someone's talking shit about my husband at my right. work, I'm quitting. Right. And I'm moving us away. Exactly. Like you don't talk shit about my husband, you know? Yeah. Anyways, that is the story I of uh, I feel Bambi. so bad for her. I know. I feel terrible for her. I think she's innocent. But she's, oh, she's absolutely innocent. Yep. She's a total badass. She got caught in a conspiracy between Wisconsin Seriously. Police Department. I'm have to talk about the police department. Yeah, definitely. I liked it. Good story. Sad for her. Sad for her. Also total badass. May you rest easy. Yeah. My love. Finally, she gets to be just like free and like live or something. Hopefully you got reincarnated to like. To like. Kim Kardashian. I hope that's who you are. Yeah, Stormy. Yeah, one of them. She's Stormy. She is Stormy. We're so going to get our doors beat down and be like, you said (laughs) my daughter was. (laughs) Sorry, Kylie. Anyway. Anyways, so guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Stay for TFUs, even though we really don't hardly. Oh no, we have some. Yeah, we have one. I don't know. Um, love you guys. Follow us on Instagram. Oh, and tune in next week for episode twenty-five. 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 Oh, we're so old. We're old goals. Ogles, and on top of it being 25, it's going to be St. Patty's Day. Oh, yeah, we're going to be so sloshed. We're going to have Irish car bombs. We're going to have oh, um, Guinness. Oh, we're going to have green we everywhere. We should go get the tie-dye suits sets from Target. <gasps> That's exactly what we should do. And we're going to tell really, like, luck of the Irish stories. Oh, it's going to be so fun. It's, it's the luck of the Irish. You remember that movie? Oh, that's it's British. British. They will throat punch you for saying that was irish look i irish tried listeners. it look i have really tried to master my accents and the only one that i can is british and i still can't master it what i can master is southern american okay okay you want to hear it i want to hear it okay no stay for tfus I tune in to tfus and we'll see y'all then bye bye <laughs> Welcome back to TFU's bitch. AKA Total Fucked Up, bruh. What? <laughs> Something like that? Something like that. Whatever. Total fuck ups, yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah, you're back. Um, so we actually did pretty okay this episode. Yeah, like we were kind of like perfect. Like I don't want to be, you know. And by perfect, we were actually just kind of tamed. But it might be from the five shots of vodka that were in this drink. Yeah. Normally we refill like twice, but we couldn't. I was like blurry eyed. Before after that. our intro, we had paused it, and I was like, or she was like, I can hardly read. How am I going to do this? I was like, my face is burning. <laughs> we like opened up the windows. We're like, Jesus Christ, I'm we like, gotta my breathe. My nose is snuffy. Sorry if you guys heard my snuffles, my yawn. I'm like, oh my god. If we would have been able to keep drinking, but if we would have kept drinking, I would be passed out on the floor right now. Oh, for sure. I mean, like I, I mean, how many Dude, ounces it so do you think sucks this is? that your story is second because you get the shit out of this. I'm like, and it's like the saddest stories ever because it's real people. Yeah, and then like we, you're well, when I'm like we drink, an eleven year old. When crowd. we drink heavy, you're like an eleven year old. <laughs> that one time I cried. Yeah, that was that shit was you, crazy. You cry over everything getting smashed. I don't cry about anything off on air. Off air, I cry about everything. Any video that has any type of emotional like pulling <laughs> on your emotion strings, it's she's down. 
she's down for it. So, y'all, last night I um, get a Snapchat from Morgan around 1 a.m. Oh, come on. Don't do this to me. <laughs> I have a newborn child. She's got a newborn I don't get baby. any sleep. I wake up every hour. Okay, well, just let me read this to you. <laughs> yes, Lily. We gay it. <laughs> you have to leave. I read this, y'all. I know Morgan so, and she also looks like she's passed out hammered with a jacket on. I have this big furry, like, jacket <laughs> on that I'd wear out to, like, the bar. And what you guys don't know that she's, like, okay, at this time, literally an hour before, I'm calling her 30 times trying to figure out what the hell of the, the who the hell we just talked about in the last episode, because I'm trying to write the description. And by the way, I don't know if you guys have seen it or if anybody ever looks at our description, but if you go look at the description for episode 23, there's just a random G at the end. It's because I was literally falling asleep writing the description last night because I was praying to God. Is it on our Instagram post too? Or did you no, take it No, I took out? it off the Instagram post. But go look at the like iTunes one. Oh my God. I might change it by the time. I might let y'all hear this before I change it because it's so funny. Because what y'all don't know is I'm passing out trying to write this. We had just gone and got margaritas, Morgan and I, and mm-hmm. what's um, Arletta and Nikki and JT and, and our Ollie. other friends. And Ollie. And I get home and I'm like, oh, I need to go to sleep. And Logan's like, well, did you post your episode? I'm like, I didn't post the episode. It was 11.52. And I was like, holy shit. I was passed out at this point. Yeah, passed out. I have no idea who the fuck you talked about in that episode. (laughs) I'm like, her name was Kelly something. Her name was Kelly. And I was like, Carrie? Was it Carrie? Australian Kelly UFO. That's what I Googled. That's what I Googled. Literally, I Googled Australian encounter. Um with lawyer <laughs> with lawyer that's all you got that's out all of i it. could remember i was like i can't know so my snapchat actually said we get it ollie what did it say so guys what when I, I mean when i read this this morning i knew i read it like normal like my brain filled in all the gaps so what it meant to say was yes ollie we get it you have to go pee <laughs> <laughs> but instead we got yes lily we get it you have to leave <laughs> Look, I don't get much sleep anymore. Okay. I have a newborn. Okay. I wake up every hour and I get in the bathroom. I have to play with him and I'm like a zombie. <sighs> it's WandaVision Eve. That's why you heard yeah. Marvel Studios. WandaVision Eve tonight. I'm going to be woken up at six in the morning saying, hey, are you ready to watch WandaVision? Doesn't it come out at midnight? We we wake we watch up we get up and make coffee and watch it in the mornings before we get ready for yoga and work. God, you guys are lunatics. Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all for TFUs. And then stay for ASMR right now. No Goodbye. ASMR. Goodbye. Yes, we're it's doing just it. Taylor. No, it's not. Morgan's coming too. Bye. Okay, I'm just kidding. Morgan won't let me do it. I won't let her record us chewing food and put it on the podcast for the public to listen to why not that's gonna be so much fun that's grody why don't we just give them some sounds we'll give them some ice is that all i can do